Hello, before we get to episode 200200 with Adam Vitkavage, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to one episode of four, or shoot, all 200. Have you left a rating for me on Apple Podcasts? Have you told a friend? Have you retweeted an episode link? Have you told an author that he or she got a shout out on one of the episodes? Really appreciate everything you've done, listening, sharing. You can always go to the Patreon page, which again is found under Peter Real, Chills at Will podcast, Peter Real. That's all one word through Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Chills at Will Peter Real. My last name is R-I-E-H-L. This is episode 200. I can't believe it. It's been 99.9% fun. And I really appreciate all your help with my DIY podcast. It really is DIY. It's just me. I'm the one who does the reading, the research, the editing, the promoting. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for passing on the information about the podcast. Thanks so much for supporting. And hey, there's a giveaway, book giveaway. Have you looked at my pinned tweet? If you look at my pinned tweet on August 23rd, 8 a.m. Eastern is the deadline. If you retweet the pinned tweet, you get two entries. If you like the pin tweet, you get one, giving away two books from any writers who have been on the Chills of Will podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy this episode. Hello, I am Pete Real, a high school English and Spanish teacher, an avid reader, and an aspiring writer. Thank you for listening to the Chills at Will podcast, in which we explore the visceral beauty of literature and its connection to our culture, our history, and ourselves. Hello and welcome to Lucky Episode 200. It's a pleasure today to be joined by, among other things, a fellow podcaster, and that's Adam Vitkavage. Adam Vitkavage is the founder of Beautiful, a website and podcast where readers can discover debut authors. The podcast was named one of the best book podcasts by Book Riot, Town & Country, and Los Angeles Review of Books in 2022. His criticism and interviews have also been featured in Electric Literature, Pace Magazine, Literary Hub, Phoenix New Times, among others. He currently lives in Denver, and he's rocking a great Orioles hat. How are you today? I am doing fabulous. Uh, Stoke the Orioles are currently doing decent. I don't trust that it'll last. I'm, I will jinx them. But thanks okay. for having me for 200. Uh, really honored to be part of part of the journey that you're doing and all the crazy good work you're doing. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, pleasure. I appreciate it so much. You're. Uh, I love your work. You're I love the timing. I have a lot of compliments I'll give you, and we'll talk a little more about it. But um, awesome to talk to a fellow podcaster. God yeah. dang, you got a lot of books back there. This, yeah, I uh, it's for better or worse. I don't throw away arcs. I keep them, uh, uh, loan them out a lot. 
the goal is a full library. So, you know, eventually if there's offspring in, in my future with Lady Day Beautiful, uh, they can uh, read. I always have books. So yes. We'll see. Any, any rhyme or reason, you know, by color, by genre? No, the yeah, bookshelf same. behind me is uh, like just you know, you get so many books, et cetera. I just start throwing them. I have two shelves in the living room, which rotate out to be like my favorite books and ones I want uh, on display. Uh, this is not that these aren't bad <laughs> or anything, but it's like so many books, so little time, yes. so little shelf space. There you go. I got <laughs> you. Oh man. Well, again, pleasure to talk to you. Obviously you're a, you're a literary dude. I, I would love to know kind of how, how it started. I mean, have you always been that way? Have you been the the kid, you know, getting that limit at the library of 10 or 15 or whatever it was? Did it come to you kind of later in life? What was kind of like your early um, relationship with, with reading and writing? The written word? Yeah, definitely. I always was one of those kids who like had a story I was writing like about monkeys in space or like ripping off Chronicles of Narnia um, and things like that. So I always, I always thought I would be a writer and I'm not. I don't write fiction now at all. I don't even attempt to. Mm. But uh, definitely more of a reader always. My mom... Uh, loves cozy murder mysteries like Mary Higgins Clark. I okay. think I did a book report on in sixth grade, like way too early, but like <laughs> it was her favorite book. Did you get a call home from the teacher? Or? No, probably actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I mentioned, like ripping off Chronicles of Narnia, that was huge. I got like the box set as a gift, you oh, know, yeah. some holiday and read them all. And yeah, reading murder mysteries and then uh, like, always trying to read books that I were well well past like my age limit like i remember reading rocket boys aka october sky when the movie yeah. came out and like the book is like a 500 page book memoir and i'm reading it like in fourth grade thinking i understand <laughs> the intricacies of this memoir but, yeah that's home right there Man. yeah jeez got into like high school college I mean, I don't know. Did you, I don't know if you like studied literature. I don't know if that was. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got my undergrad, my degree in English education. So I thought I was going to be a teacher. Um, and I tried it and was bad at it. And like, I blocked it out for my early, early twenties. Uh, (laughs) God bless anyone who does teach. Uh, I was terrible at it. And it was funny between going to school for like, I guess an English related degree to my mid twenties, like, I wasn't reading. I didn't read anything new. And I think it was uh, 2015. I was like, I'm going to read a book a week. That was, I had not read a book a week in my entire life, probably mm-hmm. since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a lot of new stuff that came out. That was the year station 11 came out, uh, read a t- redeployment, won the national book award. So a lot of good books were coming out. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of that, uh, just like transitioning to why I do what I do, I just I knew how to write freelance because I wrote in, for like music and television, uh, mm. pop culture websites at Pace Magazine. Okay. And uh, I just like hustled and like emailed publicists saying, I don't have any bylines and I would love to interview X. And some people said yes. And hmm. yeah, that's I fell in into interviewing authors that yeah. way. So you've never been one to uh, to shy away from, you know, the worst they can say is no, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean... Uh, yeah, might as well. I might as well take a shot always. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, whether it's trying to get you know a date or asking a, an award-winning author to let them let me interview them. Might as well ask. <laughs> nice comparison. Is um any like, I mean, were any hipster bands or something that you like? You know, you found before anyone else. Like when you're writing about. Um, music? I don't think I found anyone before anyone else, but like the big bands, I was always proud of like doing early coverage for. There's a band out of Indianapolis 
called Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos. It's a musician named Richard Edwards, who I think is brilliant. Okay. And uh, I interviewed him for one of his albums. And then like months later, years later, he emailed me out of the blue saying, hey, I really appreciate like the questions you had. I'd love for you to like cover me again. Whoa. And uh, yeah, so like that was that's like my most like indie hipster street cred that I give myself. I don't know if anyone else cares, but it was like <laughs> magical for me. <laughs> Who, you know, in those, in those, you know, not follow years, but fairly follow years when you weren't reading as much maybe, or, you know, even back into the college days, like, but who, who were some of the writers or what were some of those transformational, like, it's like, oh my gosh, you can do this in a book or a poetry collection or a short story? Yeah, I, during college, like when I kind of started reading more, I became really obsessed with like white guy canon um for better or for worse i I admit it now but like jd salinger john updike yeah philip roth i was obsessed with them john cheever okay uh that's who like i was not exposed to like writers of color uh, which is embarrassing for me and from the college i went to right um but the the book that changed everything for me and made things click in i mentioned like redeployment i think that's a brilliant short story collection Mm -hmm. uh the Turner House by Angela Flournoy, I loved, but uh, Salvage the Bones by Jasmine Ward, Oof. I finally read. I read in 2011 and like loved it, and then I reread it in 2015. I was like, oh, I get it. It like mm. clicked. Like this is brilliant, beautiful writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, she's she's been a a favorite of many for sure that I've talked. To yeah, she is uh, like my favorite living writer. Uh, I talk about her all the time and recommend her books whenever mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned Cheever. I was randomly just thinking of one of his short stories the other day. The one, well, I would say the one about the Waspy family in New England, but I think they're all about every that, single right? one. Yeah. Hifty. Hifty was the nickname for the kid. He They're like on the beach and he's, uh, they call him Tifty because he's, that's the way his slippers always were. And it's like a family falling out. But, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Very Waspy boat shoes using the verb, the word summer as a verb, right? Yeah. I was obsessed with that in my 20s. Yeah. Hey. Did you get into David David Foster Wallace as well? No, I never did. Like randomly, weirdly enough, I guess. Uh, yeah, there's some big behemoth writers I just haven't read, and I talk about this with like friends. I don't read like I'm not going back and reading old stuff, which I know is like a blind spot of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like classics I miss. Like uh, I talk about Brandon Taylor way too much, but he was been tweeting about Edith Wharton, Edith Wharton, and I have like not read her thoroughly. And it's like, you know, like there's only so much you can read, right? Yeah. And with Day Beautiful, I made a decision uh, you know, to do what I do and to do it well, I have to read a lot. And so sometimes reading for pleasure takes a back seat. This year I've been trying to be more healthy with it. Uh like I read books about the sea in the early parts. I've been reading some uh like American Gothic horror like okay. dracula i guess that's not american but dracula mm-hmm. frankenstein etc now i'm doing some presidential biographies so i'm trying to like oh, piece wow. into like yeah. read some things for pleasure for the first time in a while well are we talking like what's his name like robert caro and like 800 yeah years? yeah how I, about, how I, about I, having multiple volumes about lyndon bain johnson multiple volumes? in i heard brilliant things about it and i'm just afraid to yeah. read ten thousand pages on lyndon b johnson you were one you were one of the greatest twitter followers as is brandon taylor thanks yeah brandon taylor i talk about him too much it's like a reoccurring joke with my friends who do listen to the podcast and they're like do you know him and i was like yeah we're internet we dm i guess but i don't know him you know like uh but he's the best person to follow on social media i think his tweets can be a whole essay collection themselves pretty much 
I, w- I was trying to find like the genesis or the beginning of your of the of the beautiful and like yet you, you know you have different permutations of it was he like the second episode possibly yeah he was um technically the third i guess i did a, a test podcast with four authors okay and then just to see if i can like piece it together and learn how to edit and then emma copley eisenberg uh, yeah, yeah, third yeah. rainbow girl was the first one then brandon taylor was uh okay. february of what 2020 yeah right before the pandemic oh man yeah i was same thing with uh with me right i started i think april 1st with some terrible terrible sound quality you know what i mean like embarrassing to listen to yeah, it's 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 interesting being a DIY podcaster. It's you know you're learning everything. You're not having a producer, uh, learning what mic works, learning how to edit, learning if you edit. Like I leave in a lot of my like yes. mistakes because I find it more fascinating. But that's me. I don't know if people like it. There's, I'm like I'm like kind of a little bit too old and a little bit too out of like the memes and, and gifs or whatever. But you know the the famous DiCaprio one where he's pointing at the TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. For me, for me, that's like editing and finding like an um. Like I can, t- I can see an um from you know twenty feet away. Yeah. You know what I mean on the editing. Yeah, it's super interesting. I I, I leave it in. I leave the awkward pauses. Mm. Uh, I really like it to feel. And this came from another author who I hadn't actually interviewed, and they were just a fan of the pod. But they're like, it just feels like a coffee shop conversation. Yes. And then once like I kind of honed in on that as like the craft, I was like, yeah, that's fine. I, ums, likes, I say definitely a lot. Mm, like after same. every single time someone says something, same. definitely. It sounds good. Okay, great. And yeah. then, you know, uh, is my thing, man. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. No, the, uh, the whole, like, I kind of hate the word curating because I feel like everyone says everything's curating now. Like, oh, I curated mm-hmm. your food. Well, yeah. like your sounds curated, but not. And I mean, that's the highest possible compliment. Like you said, it's very, very natural. It is very coffee shop. That's a great way to put it. The, 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 you have the balance between like, this is very, you know, scholarly, but also just like cool and kick it with a friend kind of thing. Yeah. It, it's been interesting. I think when I first started uh, interviewing, like for Electric Lit Millions, uh, that's, I, I think at the time they were more like, Q and A interviews, like tell me about this, tell me about that, and that's kind of what Day Beautiful has come back to. But instead of being like a natural conversation, sometimes, but yeah, I, I try I to mix something. it up. Yeah, I try to try to have fun and keep it casual. That's really what Day Beautiful has always been about. Definitely, and and I don't I don't know that any podcast uses you know sexy books as much as you do. I love sexy books. Who books doesn't? are sexy. They got a vibe, right? It does. They have to, yeah. So is that redundant then to say sexy books? Yeah, I guess all books are sexy, Some are at least the ones I cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. love sexy books. Love a good vibe, definitely. <laughs> there you go. So doing, you know, book-adjacent work, like you, it sounds like you don't necessarily now, but you, you work mm-hmm. in bookstores and all that. And just kind of like real-world experience, you, you do communications now. Do you feel? How do you feel writing for interviews and criticism, mm-hmm. writing for more business-like with the communications, working bookstores? How do you feel like your your podcast is informed by the other work and vice versa? Yeah, I think when I uh, worked, I was on the events team part-time at Changing Hands in Phoenix. They were really instrumental in Day Beautiful becoming what it was, their the owners and the the buyer, uh, Michelle, at the time. Um, and then being the director of events for Tatter Cover uh, here in Denver for two years, uh, it really taught me how to look for books more than the interview and like look for under the radar titles and look for authors who weren't being covered. Um From a writing perspective and interview perspective, I think what interests me 
is being a storyteller. Like I don't say I'm a writer. I don't say I'm a storyteller, but I've been thinking about it more often. And the day beautiful, I, I want the author to tell their story. You know, it's like a quick Wikipedia version of their life. Yeah. And I feel like so many times um, and just in coverage, authors talk about the book a lot, but we, and maybe they don't want to talk about themselves, but I find a lot do want to talk about themselves. <laughs> So I think like, you know, being in communications and working in media now for a nonprofit, part of what I do is like st storytelling, interviewing people and really just realizing people do like to talk about themselves, regardless of how introverted they are um, and letting them share their story. And it's really just magical to like be a part of it, the stories that people are sharing. Hmm. Well, yeah, like you, you do on the show, like you always ask, it's a simple question, but I love it. Like it's um, definitely under underrated. You say like, you know, how would you describe your mm -hmm. Not the, you know, what's not, well, not yeah. what the genre is for Barnes and Noble, not yeah. what your publicist, not what the company, the publishing company says, right? So how would you describe your podcast? Yeah, Day Beautiful is, I mean, I think I, I, I have the publicity copy down. Day Beautiful is the podcast where readers can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews. Boom. But Boom. how I really describe it is like, imagine a guy who just reads a lot wanting to know the most basic questions and not being afraid to ask dumb questions. Yeah. That's what day beautiful is. Like I am not, I did not get an MFA. I did not take any writing, creative writing courses in college. Mm -hmm. I just know what books are like, what makes me feel sexy when I read. And I want to talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about what were like the seeds for, I mean, you started in February, 2020. It's not like you just went from mm -hmm. a totally different industry or way of life to that. You, you know, you've been talking about dipping your toe in more than that with, you know, writing for these magazines and stuff, but you know, why, I mean, was it around COVID? I sound like it's a little before COVID even hit, but like, and then maybe growing the show maybe came from COVID. I just wonder zoom and, and how just kind of the world we're in and, and just your own life kind of led to day beautiful. Yeah, definitely. The um, like short version is after college, I didn't want to be a teacher. I took a internship and started being a, and then like started writing freelance for pace magazine, interviewing television actors and and writers and so I had like that background and then uh you know freelanced electric lit lit hub millions etc 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 and it was I was working for the government at the time actually so I was not teaching I was not working for bookstores and I just thought of the name day beautiful and in December of 2018 and launched Day Beautiful, the website in January, 2019, like just okay. did it DIY blog uh -huh. style. Yeah. Um, and then Day Beautiful, the podcast came about by some authors I had interviewed and become friends with and some publicists I had just worked with for five years mm -hmm. asking if I wanted to do a podcast. And I had dabbled in it in the music industry. Like I did a short lived, you can't find it on the internet anymore, interview podcasts uh... from indie musicians. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it. And, uh, you know, podcasting is fun. There's a lot of them. It's easy, but it's also hard. And so I always think of Day Beautiful as a website that happens to have a podcast. Uh, the website still gets more traction than listens. So, uh, but yeah, I started the podcast in, yeah, like December 2019. So less than a year later with that soft launch, Emma Copley Eisenberg, Brandon Taylor, uh, Chelsea Beaker was like, three who's oh, yeah. who of the literary scene back to back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then COVID hit. Yeah. Like you said, I, I started it right when COVID came and 
Yeah, I was at the time I was using Skype, like Zoom wasn't a thing. Like I didn't oh, know what Zoom was, right? Skype. What happened to Skype? It got eaten up they by just, Zoom. They just fumbled the bag, man. Yeah. So oh. um, so the audio quality was poor. Um, people were calling in on their <laughs> cell to it. So it, it was just like like it wasn't a thing. But yeah, and then luckily for me, COVID hit and authors cancel their book tours and i said i will take any author who wants to talk to me yeah. I, I will not read the book necessarily because i don't have time but i will let you read and then i'll mm. talk to you because i like you know I, i'm interested i could i could do that and yeah yeah the website or the podcast like took off in april of that year like it was just a lot of traffic yeah. and it's not like it's it's not like i'm pop day beautiful super world famous it doesn't get that many listens i always say that it's it's there uh yeah it was interesting and like zoom really saved the book industry like flat out mm. uh for podcasts for mm -hmm. book events mm -hmm. uh, without zoom i don't know what would have happened to the Very indie sick. bookstore industry even yeah. so yeah yeah no doubt about it. yeah no you have a really good website i i know someone you do better like you have that just the the balance between the great podcast and the website the website's got a lot there the pictures stand out you, um you're talking about indie groups is is Saint Motel an indie group? You know Saint Motel? Yeah, they're indie. Everyone's indie now. Uh, Taylor Swift is indie. Uh, yeah, Saint Motel's fun though. Yeah. My good friend's uh brother is in Saint Motel. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, so they had one uh, really fun album I loved. Yeah, they're super fun and dancey. Right? Everything's dancey. But yeah, I really like them. So at the wedding, I think it was that Just My Type, which is the classic uh dancey song. They're mm. playing and and all of a sudden people's like, wait, the guy from the band's here, and he went up to the stage. It's pretty. <laughs> That's right. awesome, yeah. But yeah, I don't. I feel like I don't know what indie is anymore. It's been a while for me. I think. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah. I'll throw out. <laughs> what what kind of feedback have you gotten from listeners? Like the um, fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is asking me questions about how to break into like mm. the writing industry. It's a lot of like emerging writers. Um, who aren't following a traditional path, whatever that may be, because mm -hmm. it could be MFA, it could be not MFA, it could be mm. whatever. But a lot of the feedback is like they learned a lot from the craft questions or they learned, et cetera. Um, that's most of the feedback, uh, which is which I find interesting. I, and, and it leads me to think like maybe Day Beautiful is almost like an insider podcast, like a trade publication, mm -hmm. where it's a lot of writers listening to it as opposed to readers. Uh. But maybe not. Maybe that's just who emails you, you know, sure. like certain type of people email you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the, the the biggest compliment, like that coffee house question or comment where it's just like natural. And I think people pick up on that vibe where I don't take it too seriously, but I take it seriously enough like I that know. I'm doing it semi-professionally. Yeah. Why debuts? Like, what what was it that drew you about you know the debut in particular? Um, I think it was when I was writing pretty heavily for other outlets, and other outlets can't say yes to every single interview. It's just like the reality. Mm. And I think I had realized I had interviewed like three debut authors in a row, and then I started reaching out to publicists saying like, "Hey, like I'm like if you have someone that's not getting coverage, I'll gladly do it." Uh, and I think like, so it started from a practicality standpoint, but like the passion is 
getting to know these people who nobody knows yet, being able to ask them like, oh, like, where did you get your MFA? Like, mm-hmm. sure, it's on their website, but maybe not everyone knows it. Sure. Yeah. So it, it started from a practicality standpoint and then and blossomed into like the people writing debuts are doing things that seasoned authors maybe aren't because they're in the groove of what they have written since 1995, mm-hmm. uh, for better or for worse. Like some of my favorite authors write the same book over and over again. Uh, yeah. So the the un, the boring answer is practicality. It was easier to get access to them at the time. Like this is before podcasts. This is before yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bookstagram. And uh, then like the passionate answer is like, yeah, getting to know these people and being able to tell their story. I, I sometimes I over I overdo the like the sports analogies, but like you know you know this idea of man so is trying for that first championship, you know finally gets it, finally gets it. It's just a battle. And I want to you know I yeah. thank God. I want you know all this time I spend in the gym. Is there something? And then you know almost like by definition, it's literally impossible to want the next one as much. You know what I mean? Like you've yeah. got to the top of the mountain. Like do you? Am I overdoing it with like? Do you see that with authors? Like not that there's like a fall off, but just kind of like. There's something innate to the, like, that hunger for the debut. Yeah, I think, I mean, so many authors I've interviewed, some of, like, it's taken a decade to write the book, right? Uh It's taken half a decade. And people pour their blood, sweat, and tears into it without knowing it's going to be published. Mm -hmm. I think, like, yeah, second books are super great. Like, Alexandra Chang's new book, her second book is brilliant. Uh, Brandon Taylor's second and third books were brilliant. Chelsea, Be- you know, there's people who I love whose second books are brilliant, but it's like, it didn't take 10 years necessarily. It didn't take, uh, a, you know, a, a wish and a dream and pure talent. Not that second books don't take pure talent, but it's like, you don't know if you're ever going to publish when you're writing a debut. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do know you're going to publish a second book and it takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me speaking. No one's ever really said that. But yeah, I do the sports analogy of we finally did it. LeBron James winning it in Cleveland finally doing it for Cleveland as much as I don't root for LeBron James it was a great moment you know you yeah, did it definitely is it like shoot I'm gonna do the sports analogy again I was like you know when I used to coach basketball and watch film this was I mean it wasn't that long ago but like you know, I know they have all kinds of more complicated film and all that but like you know you watch film on the game and you could watch that for hours and so you're watching the game differently right you're you're watching mm-hmm. it as a coach you watch, you know even in your home watching you know Lakers game and you're just watching it a little bit differently. Like, does that affect the way you read? Like, is it harder to read for pleasure? Or is that like, is it add pleasure knowing that, you know, knowing what you do now and having met these authors and know the process yeah. a little more? I feel um, when I get into a book that I really, really like, um, it's it, it feels pleasurable, even though I know it's for debut. But there are times when it does feel like work. And I've talked about this. Like, my, I think it's a little bit of an unhealthy relationship where it's like, I'm like, it feels just like content I'm shoving down my throat at times uh, to make sure I am getting all the books in front of me that are sent to me. I'm giving them proper time, giving them Mm. 50 pages, which is why like this year I, you know, am taking time out to read books about the sea and then Gothic horror and now president books. Yeah. Because I think there's been times where I was just like, Dave, beautiful is good. I could end it right now. I did everything I needed to do. Uh. Uh, so it is interesting. I, it, 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 that happened to me with music and television. You know, I had interviewed uh, like Amy Poehler from Parks and Rec, like at the oh, height of her, man. at the height of it. Right. And I was like, I was watching sitcoms and like criticizing every single moment of it. And 
I try not to do that with books because I think books are more more of an art form where I sure. don't necessarily need to agree with it or enjoy it, but I see what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah, it is interesting. I, I have a love-hate relationship with books at this point in my life. Yeah. How about you? Do you feel that same way? Do you like do you feel you're overreading sometimes? Yes. Yeah. I do. So I listened to one one of your episodes with, with Gabby Bates. Mm-hmm. Right. With, yeah. with Judas Goat and mm-hmm. like you were just talking about like in the intros where she read part of it that came out, I don't know what, I think within this this calendar year. Yeah, it was this year for sure. Right? Yeah, like February-ish. Like, I found, I mean, I love poetry. I found poetry to be more difficult. You were talking about like, you know, when you listen to poetry, there's like a million emotions thrown out at once. And, you know, it's so true. Someone like Gabby's and these great poets, it's just like, geez, there's mm-hmm. like 10 images right there that you could, you know, analyze, overanalyze, you know, misanalyze. But yeah, I mean, I guess, long story short, I, I have more trouble with poems. Mm-hmm. as far as like i want to you know as a teacher i'm kind of like all right well i don't want to overdo it too like you know what are the themes of this like tell me author what is the theme you, you, you yeah. know both of us know like a lot of times they're like i don't know what does it mean yeah. to you i didn't reina grande is a no- novelist uh mm-hmm. non a little bit from from she lives in sacramento area now yeah and she used to come down and speak to my students in la we read one of her great fiction books um, and it's a lot about like the, the the double life this this girl leads and this and that, and the main character's name last name is Luna. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling my students, oh yeah, you know the Luna, you know the moon, you know it's changing. And we had a chance to ask her, and I'm like, you know, I was kind of like all knowing. I'm like, you named him Luna, right? Because of the you know the the changing. She's like, no, just like the name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes the name is just a name. So so I hear you. I, I try not to overanalyze, and sometimes I'm in the middle of the conversation. I'm like, dang it, like. I've asked like 10 straight questions. Like, what does that line mean? Yeah. You know, there's different ways to get to it, I think, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. If you if you had one more episode left, hopefully you have many, many, like, would you would you go nonfiction? Would you go fiction? Would you go poetry? Would you go, you know, thriller? Would you like do you have a favorite yeah. genre? Or is it even hard to say? Um, I think if I had one podcast left, just that was it, I would interview Jesmyn Ward who's not a debut author yeah. and I'd want it to be structured in like a I was writing for Vanity Fair like a profile on her and I was just getting all the background I could going from book one to book two to book three for like two hours like a two-hour deep dive with her yeah. um yeah I think I had interviewed her before for the millions uh when nice. Sing and Buried Sing came out and that was short. It was just about the book, but I think like, yeah, having a sit down with my favorite living writer just for two hours, which normally day beautiful is, you know, Q and A's interviews are like 20, 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that would be my last one I would do. I would just say, Hey, I want this to happen. Drop the mic, play Sinatra's my way out. Yeah. Right. right. Any other names you, so I'm going to throw, you know, Tobias Wolf is in many ways, the, the inspiration for this podcast, even the title. Mm. I've I have know someone who knows someone that's a possibility down the road. Lavar Burton, Lavar Burton yeah. for me would be incredible. Brandon Taylor's one. I don't know, any any names you want to throw out in the ether that we're like you know manifesting. Whether they're debut authors or not, obviously they're probably not. If you're going to say their names, yeah, I think. Um, God, this sounds so like I think no, I think I the big names who I love I've interviewed. Yeah, uh, and debuts. I don't know who's coming up. I don't know who the the next sure, book sure, is sure. six months. Yeah. From, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to do Jasmine Ward, Michael Siobhan. I, I haven't done Alexander Chi. I would love to talk to Alexander yeah, Chi more same. in depth. Yeah, I'll say that. Definitely. Yeah. 
you, know, you talked about your own writing, you know, for these magazines. I mean, you've talked about, you've interviewed Jasmine Wars, because I was good as it gets, and Jamel Brinkley. I know he came out with a great collection. I think yours was mm-hmm. a while back, maybe not so recently, but. Yeah, that, that interview, yeah, it came out when he released his book. So that had to be 2019, right? Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, George Saunders, there. George Saunders, I think. Yeah, did George Saunders. Oh, Again, man. Like, just, just being the, yeah, just being a guy who's willing to email people and yes. pitch things. And I think now, um, and rightfully so, that like, you know, author interviews are done by other authors and, and it's more of like an in-conversation, but mm-hmm. as opposed to like other media, right? Where there's journalists yeah. interviewing actors. But yeah, to be that guy who just says like, I am here to do it. Let's see if it happens. Right? <laughs> yeah. And from, he, he seems to be like a legitimately just decent guy. George, yeah. Down to earth. For, yeah, for a long time, even before I was like podcasting and writing, uh, I do trust the blurb. I know like there's a <laughs> political game involved in that. But if I saw a George Saunders blurb, I usually picked it up. And usually they were his students at Syracuse, like Nana Kwame oh, Ajebrenya, uh Friday cool. Black, I originally picked up because of a blurb from him. You yeah. know, and like he, and Nana is one of my favorite. Uh, Nana Kwame is one of my favorite writers. There's, there's another one thrown in the ether. I'd love to talk to him about uh, Prison Gang All-Stars mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. Shoot, shoot. Well, you know, you, yeah. I mean, in your writing, you, you know, was it, I don't know how you pronounce it, BB Zahara, RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Interviewed some drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and that just goes down to, I'm willing to, yeah, say hello. I, I want to do this and I'll find an outlet. Um, sometimes the outlets have backed out and I've mm-hmm. had to publish them on my own blog. Yeah. Uh, which happens. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, Trixie Mattel from RuPaul's Drag Race, BB Zahara Benet. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. I just have a wide range of interests and I'm willing to talk to anyone who wants to talk to me or who will talk to me. Have you you seen a market decrease in like the, like the compensation from magazines, like even the last six, seven years, or has it kind of been? Um, For me? Yeah. It's yeah. I guess relatively steady, some increase. Um, I don't really freelance anymore since day beautiful started. So it's been a decrease to my pocket because no one else is paying me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was never, writing for like NPR or like, you know, the bigger publications. I was writing for like niche literary outlets that paid maybe 20 bucks at the time, or maybe a hundred or somewhere in between. But uh, the people who freelance full time, I bless them because it's hard. It's a hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you and I are hustling differently for our own like DIY indie podcast. Mm -hmm. But for these people to do it and rely on the paycheck is, is wild to me. I've heard those W4, those W2s or whatever, and those taxes are pretty nasty with all the yeah. over here, you know? Yeah. So, you know, even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar possibly? Oh, yeah. I interviewed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> when he wrote a Sherlock Holmes book. Uh, that was done via email, though. It wasn't as sexy. Okay. But okay. as a basketball fan, and he's a top five for me, um, that was pretty amazing to do, Yeah. All right, so you, you you talked down on LeBron a little bit. You mentioned Kareem. Do you have a do you have a number one or number two? Who's your best of all time? Oh, top two favorite basketball players of all time really say a lot about me. Um, one, Charles Barkley, the Round Mountain rebounds. <laughs> okay. And number two, Dennis Rodman. I when yeah. I played basketball in high school, I did not care about scoring points. I scared about rebounding and setting screens. And those were my yeah. boys. Yeah. yeah, they were my. <laughs> people people today don't. I mean, kids don't know. They see they see Barkley on the TNT show. Like mm-hmm. he was a he was a he was a bad dude. 
Yeah, he was athletic. He, was a <laughs> he wasn't a he, he, he wasn't oh a fat God. guy. Yeah, he got up and no, down he was, the court, man. Yeah, man. And yeah. then how about I don't know my Icelandic or Dutch or my North North European pronunciation. Sejan, one of the collaborators with Bjork. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's Stone. I think you don't pronounce. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. It, okay. But that was wild. That was I was living in Phoenix and I had to do it at a pretty weird time, and I remember I had a like my apartment. Something was going on. I couldn't do it at the office job I had. So I like went to the public library in Phoenix and their internet was down. I was like, someone needs to give me a hotspot. Like, right <laughs> like my, you, you know, know who I'm talking to right now? <laughs> yes. Do you yeah. Know it's, you, it's funny. Like you bring it up and like, uh, yeah, it's like embarrassing on my part that I can't remember some of these until someone says oh, that's a good, it's a good, it's a good problem. It, and close I guess to have, it's right? a blessing. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd love to like some, some of these are really like centric, like, I don't know much about Bjork. I'd love to talk to Bjork, you know, like the songwriters, yeah. the lyricists, like just eccentric as hell. Like, uh, I don't know, Tori Amos, maybe not as eccentric, but a big fan of hers. Yeah. I think, you know? I think, um, like you asked, like who I would love to interview. My, my favorite album of all time is Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Oh my God. Um, so good. And I had interviewed Diablo Cody and the writer, Eric Smith, who did an adaptation oh, yeah. of the musical. Uh, like a book YA adaptation. So that's the closest I got to a Lance Morris set. Um, but that's like, that's a big get for me. I love the nineties in general. I think yeah. the nostalgia is getting me, but yeah, definitely uh, Lance Morris. That would be my big get for Tate beautiful. If I could make that happen somehow. I've been listening more to the, like, you know, today's hits, yesterday's favorites, uh-huh. Sacramento shout out 96.1. And man, I forgot, I forgot a had more than just um, you ought to know. Like that, that was, that album was stacked. Yeah, dude, that album had like five singles off of it, which yeah. is completely unheard of other than like Taylor Swift and The Weeknd right uh. now, right? Like, I mean, ABBA had five hits off an album in the 70s. Yeah. Lance Morissette, yeah, five five singles when it singles mattered and like made money. When singles mattered. Like had music exactly. videos, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, the bane of every English teacher's existence with her, you know, fake irony, <laughs> but it's yeah. not ironic, but that's all right. Yeah. I'm a, you know. I'm a huge Tupac fan and I was listening to one of his last interviews uh-huh. and he randomly was talking about like he and the lens Morris had had all these like business partnerships going at the time. I was like, that okay. doesn't surprise me. That's yeah. They were like, two of like the biggest right. names at the time. When they really died. were though. Yeah. With yeah. all the writing, with all the, you know, incredible people you've talked to and then you know, talked to for, for writing and talked to for the podcast, there's, there's no itch for you to like get into writing like fiction and not your book, short stories. Um, I think, if I ever write in earnest and try to, um, I would probably, and I have like some things in the work. So I guess I lied earlier when I say I'm you not. Li- why'd like you writing. lie? Why did you yeah, lie? Because it's not, we'll see. I don't know. But I think <laughs> I would, I would want to write the next like babysitters club or animorphs, like uh, yes. those like formulaic 50 book series mm-hmm. about the same characters. Um, and that just goes back to when I was a kid and, you know, I talked about reading Mary Higgins Clark because of my mom, but like those were really the books that like got me through like the grades yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think literary fiction or thriller or romance or adults, anything is in my future. Um, yeah, we'll that. see. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No itch currently other than I want to be the next uh, babysitter's club. Yes, I, that's a good goal. Claudia Kishi comes to mind. Who was like the kind of like the head of the group, if you will, the alpha? Oh, Chrissy was. Chrissy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I will say this for anyone listening, if you're like, I have kids and I want to watch something with them. The Netflix had a two season babysitters club show that made me cry. I watched it by myself. Okay. Nobody, wholesome? It's the most beautiful thing. Oh. They, 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 I think they got being a preteen, right. And I think that's like the most important time in anyone's life. Know. So yeah, if you have oh, kids, man. perfect. Babysitters club on Netflix. Awesome. Unjustly right. canceled. Oh no. Well, let's get that petition going. Right. Trust me. Man, man, man. So, I mean, you talked a lot about it, but, uh, and you kind of, they kind of come down the tube as they may, but any ideas of like future projects? Um, I feel like you can kind of stay with the the formula for now. And, you know, like I said, I get it. Like there's sometimes there's an end end date in mind or, or, you know, it comes when it comes, but any ideas of like different ways you'd like to take the podcast or do you feel, I mean, you're doing great with it as, as it is kind of. Yeah, thank you. I think the twice a month interview will continue uh, the first taste reading series, which comes out roughly every Monday, sure. will be retooled a little bit and and, and be just the five minute reading and mm-hmm. not have an interview after. So it's just snippet. You can get mm-hmm. in, you can get out. Mm-hmm. That's more selfish on my part because I am prepping for those and reading those and yeah, need more yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the long term goal, the the big project for Adam in the literary world is a bookstore. And I've been saying by the time I'm 45, so I have 11 years to figure it out. Okay. Um, but that depends on a lot. Uh, I don't think I'll be in Denver long-term. I have to find a new community, a new city. But in the meantime, there's plenty of other great bookstores. Uh, hmm. I will give a shout out. Leah Johnson, the young adult middle grade writer, just opened up a bookstore in Indianapolis called Loudmouth, which is uh, like focusing on banned books, uh, books hmm. by writers of color. So there's always great bookstores people can find. And that's just the one I'll shout out right now. But that's nice. that's the long-term goal for Adam. Nice. So debutiful is the word debut with that T, of course. Spell, <laughs> spell it for us. Tell us about social media, where to find you online. Yeah, debutiful.net. So D-E-B-U-T-I-F-U-L, yeah. uh, debutiful.net. And then at debutiful on I usually it's Instagram and Twitter is what I use. Uh, Facebook is there if you're into Facebook. Facebook I don't TikTok because I don't. The great advertisement. It. Facebook is there. Yeah, and, and um, I I do think we talked about how Zoom saved the book industry. If Twitter doesn't or X or whatever doesn't get uh, their act together, I think a lot of authors are going to be hurting. Oh, um, as big of a hellscape as it is, it's the promotional tool. I get more yeah. clicks on not retweets or likes, but click throughs. Uh, for for the podcast than anything, so definitely, know. definitely. So you said you're also on TikTok. No, no TikTok. I, oh, okay. I don't, I don't okay. understand it. I'm too. Damn. I'm not. I'm too creaky and old. Damn. I can't figure it out. Damn. Well, man, it was awesome talking. I hope you know with the hoping IRL we can get together one of these days. Yeah. Have a have a drink. Uh, you know, maybe one of these panels or one of these festivals or something like that. Awesome yeah. work. It's really cool to listen to your stuff. It's cool that you um, you know, have them read so we get that and then have them you know talk about the process and it makes a lot of sense that you'd have people talk calling in or letting you know like hey i love the craft stuff because there's a lot of cool stuff there as well as just some fun you know chatting and jokes and and double entendres yeah it's been fun uh day beautiful has been fun this has been fun thanks for talking to me um yeah thanks for letting me ramble i usually don't i'm not on this side of the mic ever so i really appreciated it right Such a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much and good luck with the rest of your work. Definitely. Thanks for having me on the pod and and good luck with everything. I can't wait to see when you get Alexander Chi. Yes, that'll be the most. Yeah. Can't wait.
hey, maybe, putting it maybe, out there in the universe. If you get it first or I get it first, maybe one of us can be the little, you know, zoom bubble in the corner or something like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Lurking. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, cheers. Yeah. You can now subscribe to the Chills of Web podcast on Apple and leave a five-star review while you're checking out Day Beautiful as well. You can also ask for it by name using Alexa, find it on Stitcher, Spotify, and on Amazon Music. Follow me on Instagram where I'm at Chills at Will Podcast or on Twitter where I'm at Chills at Will PO1, the digit one. You can watch this and other episodes on YouTube. That's the Chills at Will Podcast channel. Sign up now for the Chills at Will Podcast Patreon. It can be found at patreon.com backslash Chills at Will Podcast Peter Real. Last name is spelled R I E H L. Check out the page that describes the benefits of a Patreon membership, including cool swag and bonus episodes. Thanks in advance for supporting my one-man show, my DIY podcast, and my extensive reading, research, editing, and promoting to keep this independent podcast pumping out high-quality content. The intro song for the Chills of Will podcast is Wind Down Instrumental, and the other song played on the episode is Hoops Instrumental by Matt Whitehour, and both songs are used through archesaudio.com. Please tune in for episode 201 with Erica Berry, a writer and teacher based in her hometown of Portland, Oregon. Her essays appear in The Guardian, Wired, Outside, The Atlantic, Guernica, and others. Winner of the Steinberg Essay Prize and Kurt Brown Prize in Nonfiction, her book, her book Wolfish came out in February 2023 to great acclaim. And that episode will air on August 29th. For now, thanks again for listening. I hope that these uncertain days bring you texts and podcasts by writers and podcasters with mad skills like Adam Vicavage, whose work like Day Beautiful, Discover Debut Authors, gives you chills at will. Mm -hmm.